Hello, and welcome to the First Prize Mommy podcast. The show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Clint Tolbert uses the scripture, Acts 2, 1-4, and Romans 8, 14-39, to talk about Pentecost and the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let's hear today's message. We are celebrating, or at least we should be, and to think about the celebration we have at Christmas when we uh, acknowledge the second person of the Trinity coming into the world. Is the third person any less important? No, this is the day where the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, comes into the world and is given to us, and so we celebrate. It's not the only thing I'm celebrating this weekend. As, as my church family, people I care about, people care about me, you should know that this is uh, my 24th wedding anniversary tomorrow. So Stacy and I are excited. She's hiding because I uh, put her on the spotlight in the first service and she didn't know that was coming. So uh, after the service, you'll have to congratulate her. It's our 24th wedding anniversary uh, tomorrow. And with each anniversary, I celebrate in my spirit a little bit more. Because uh, I recognize, as I'm sure you do, and you will, Rosa and Elijah are sitting up here. They're going to be married June 10th, correct? Got two weddings. Make sure I got one. There. June 10th. And I've been telling them in premarital counseling, look, marriage is like the most wonderful thing in the world. And, and, <laughs> One of the most challenging, if not the most challenging things you will ever do. And so when you make it through a number of years, you begin to look back with appreciation and celebration. I was thinking about uh, our wedding anniversary and this text this morning, noting that, that one of the most important memories in our relationship together took place every time we stepped into the delivery room in anticipation of one of our four kids being born. I mean, think about it. You step into the delivery room anticipating the birth of a child, and it's the most exciting and terrifying thing I think uh, anyone could ever do, and to share that with someone is significant. It's exciting, right? Because the wait's about to be over for many people, not just a nine or ten month wait, but years long, something you've been dreaming about, something you've been hoping for. It's about to be over. You're excited. Your life is about to change. And terrifying. On many levels, right? Not the smallest of which is probably the anticipated pain you're about to go through. I mean, with all of our kids were, were premature, and with the first, with Isaac, Stacy had back labor. I don't know if anyone's had back labor. So it meant I had to stand there for hours and rub her back. My feet were killing me. And, and Stacy went through some pain too, right? I mean, when you step into that delivery room, there is the anticipation of excitement and terror, both because you know life is about to change. 
Well, this morning, as we've said multiple times already, is Pentecost. It's the, it's the day the Holy Spirit is given to the followers of Jesus. It's also known as the birthday of the church as a result. For those who have been a part of our congregation, you are aware that we've been following a, a schedule for reading the Bible and preaching that began in early September. We are unfolding the story of God. That schedule is called the Narrative Lectionary. Well, it ends today. Today is the last reading. Why does it end today? Well, because today brings us into the present. This is the day where God's story enters the delivery room. And this day has been going on for more than 2,000 years. It's both an exciting day and a terrifying day. It's a good day and a day with difficulty. And as a result, just like the delivery room many of us have witnessed, it's a room that needs a lot of help. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is like a a delivery nurse or a midwife helping to bring about God's new creation as He is birthing it both into us and through us into the world. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no way this happens. And so I want to look with you a little more closely at the passage that has just been read all through the service, Romans chapter 8, to understand why the Holy Spirit is so important and how we should be more dependent on the Spirit than we are. I'll just say from the outset, I think at least in our context, the Holy Spirit gets kind of the short stick, don't you think? I mean, we celebrate God the Father, we celebrate Jesus the Son, There are some members of God's greater church who do a really good job of emphasizing the Holy Spirit. But I know for me, eh, I'm not one. And so I want you to lean in with me to understand this gift so that we can depend on the presence of the Spirit more and more. So if you didn't already, please open to Romans 8. We're going to look at it pretty closely, and it will help you if it is in front of you. As you are turning there, allow me to to pray and ask that very Spirit to lead us in this time. O Holy Spirit, we give thanks that through you, God's Word is enlivened in our lives. That through you, we can understand not only what the Scripture meant when it was written long ago, but, but we can hear it as God's Word to us in the here and now. And so not just be hearers, but doers of your word. So Holy Spirit, would you, would you work amongst us and speak to each one that we might sense an encounter with you during these minutes we'll share. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, Romans is a challenging book, so let me give you the kind of the three-point outline right at the beginning in the hopes that you can follow me. The Holy Spirit in this passage benefits us or ministers to us or serves us in three really important ways. 
One, it is the Holy Spirit who marks us as God's child and reminds us every time we need to be reminded that we're His. It's the Holy Spirit who who brings to bear upon us both the blessings and responsibilities of being a child of God. And then wrestling with those responsibilities, it is the Holy Spirit who empowers or helps us live into those responsibilities because, well, it gets pretty hard. Let's follow in that order. Beginning at Romans 8, 14, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit marks and reminds us of our identity as children of God. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Sometimes people ask, how do you know who the true believers are, right? What do you have to do? You have to say a certain prayer, maybe go forward at a, at a Billy Graham crusade. You have to stand up here like our, like our young people did last week at confirmation and proclaim your faith. What, what marks a follower of Jesus? And if we're going to understand this clearly and simply, it's this. The Holy Spirit does. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit gives us our identity, and identity is really important. I mean, that's kind of an understatement in society today, right? The understanding of identity is preeminent in our world. Think about the very first time you meet somebody. You ask them questions like, what do you do for a living? Do you have kids? You have a family? Are you from around here? Those are all questions of identity. In our world, everything starts with identity. You know, whether it's vocation or hobby or family, we're having hard conversations about sexuality and gender. To what point do those types of things form our identity? But for one who is in Christ, make no mistake, there is no identity that should be of greater importance than the fact that we are a child of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us recognize that. You hear that? Because in in our world, again, we wrestle with all those questions. Who am I really? Well, the Holy Spirit says this. More than anything else, you are a child of God. What could be more important? I mean, let that sink in. You, by the Spirit, are a son of the one who created all that is and has redeemed all that is. Or you are a daughter of the one who holds the world in his hand and has sovereign power and control of life. Put that on your resume, right? I mean, there is nothing more important than this, the Scripture says. Notice how the Spirit helps us continually remember our identity. Verse 15 says, uh, And the Spirit you received brought about your adoption." Like, it's it's the Spirit that gives us the adoption papers. Or Ephesians puts it a little bit more clearly. Ephesians 1.13. And so, 
you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. If someone gave me as a gift one time this really fancy uh, book sealer, it like puts an impression on one of the pages. Like it's not ink, it's like, it, it's this impression on the page. It says this is Clint's book, right? And so I, I've done that on the first page and the last page and a few in the middle because I loan out my books all the time, right? Some of you, this is confession time. You have my books. And those books are sealed. So even though they have been on your shelves for years, they're mine. So too are you belonging to God. Even at times when you might feel lost. Even at times when you're not so sure. The Holy Spirit seals you as as belonging to God. And, And look, it goes on, verse 15. And allows you to cry out to the Father, but not in that formal religious language. You know, oh God, what do I say here? Do I put it in thee, thou shalt? No, no, no. Allows you to say, Abba. In Aramaic, that's kind of akin to saying, Daddy or Papa. It's a term of intimacy. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us into an intimate relationship with God so that we don't fear God. We're not, we're not a slave to God. We're a son or a daughter who can come honestly whenever we want in relationship. It goes on verse 16. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are, I would add the word, indeed, children of God. Because, yeah, there are times we struggle to remember that. Isn't that true? Someone nod their head. Someone say yes. Do you sometimes struggle to remember or hold on to your faith? You begin to have doubts. You wonder whether you really believed at all in the first place. Sorry. You wonder if you are a child of God. It is the Spirit in those moments who comes and says, no, 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 no. I know you're strong. But you are His. The first ministry of the Spirit is to both mark us and remind us continually that we belong to God through Jesus. That we are his child, and as his child, we have both the blessings that we should expect and the responsibilities. Look at verse 17. You'll see it. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I mean, one who is uh, going to inherit rightly anticipates this blessing. But one who knows they are going to inherit also should understand the responsibility that comes with the family name. Think about who is it? Uh, King now, King Charles, formerly prince, for decades knew he would inherit the crown. 
I'm sure that comes with many blessings, but certainly it comes with responsibilities too. It's true with us as well. The Holy Spirit nurtures within us both those blessings and responsibilities. They're called first fruits. If you look at verse 23, the Holy Spirit nurtures within us the first fruits of the new creation that is waiting to be born. Look at this. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that first apple, that first pear that comes on the tree, that's ours. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. What, what are these fruits? Well, there are many, but a short, easy list is found in the end of Galatians. It's one that many of you learned way back in Sunday school when you were a kid. Remember the fruits of the Spirit? The fruits of the Spirit, if you really want to hear it, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Did you learn that? No? Oh, no. Okay. Well, they are. They are. Right? You didn't grow up as a child around here when I was pastor. Or else you would have learned that. Right? The fruit of the Spirit that's born in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are being led by the Holy Spirit, these are growing within you. Now, they may not be growing as fast as you'd like. And yes, you do play a role in their growth. You can inhibit them or you can encourage their growth. But make no mistakes, it is the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit that nurtures these things within you. And these first fruits are not just something nice for us to share. They are a sign of what is coming of this new creation that will mark the earth as we know it when Jesus returns and fully establishes his rule. And so I want you to wrap your mind, use your imagination a little bit, and imagine a world. Ian, can we keep those up for just a second? Imagine a world inhabited by people marked only with these attributes. That you and your neighbor are known as people who love. When you encounter someone on the street, it's, you just experience joy and peace. If you do happen to have a misunderstanding, it's, it's worked through with patience and kindness. The only way people relate to each other is out of goodness and gentleness. There's no violence, only gentleness. No one flies off the handle or marked by self-control. Can you feel that world? The first fruit of the Holy Spirit that he begins to nurture within us, that's a sign of what's coming in the new creation. 
for all who follow Jesus. And so it's a blessing we can anticipate and hope for that drives us forward, but it's it's also something that causes us to suffer. Think about it. As the scripture indicates, in a fallen and corrupt world, everybody suffers injustice and all sorts of pain. But, but those who are led by the Spirit, those whose image is being transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus, those who can begin to see the new creation, we suffer differently than our neighbor might. Because God's given us the gift of being able to grasp what's coming. And while they may be oblivious to it, we go, how much longer? Maybe even more than when we look out there, when we look inside. For we are not yet perfect reflections of the new creation. And we want to see those fruit define us more. And we look inside and we go, why? How long, O Lord? We suffer, not just because we anticipate what could be, but also, the Scripture says, verse 17, because we share in the sufferings of Jesus. We, who are the first fruits of the new creation, cannot look at injustice or some other um, darkness in the world and go, they got themselves into that, let's let them get themselves out. We can't do that. Because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus bore upon himself the sufferings of the world in order to bring about redemption. And when he said, you're going to follow me, that's part of the gig. The Spirit gives us blessing and responsibility or suffering as the children of God. And so we, we groan inwardly like a woman in the delivering room giving birth to a child. Enduring great pain. But don't miss the promise. Don't miss the truth in verse 18. That though we lift up this suffering, let us also acknowledge that this suffering (laughs) is not even worth comparing to the glory and the joy that's about to come. If you've been in the delivery room, you've seen it. If you haven't, I can't really explain it to you, not in a way that you would understand. To see so much pain and agony in one moment turn to complete joy the very next as the mother holds the baby in her arms. So too will it be for those who suffer in following Christ when Jesus brings the new creation fully into our midst. But when we're going through birth pains, we can forget that. We can forget that. We can be like the woman. Why does that keep happening every time I touch my pocket? Sorry. We'd be like the woman in the, in the delivery room saying, I can't do this. Put it back. Right? Stop. Sometimes we feel like that. And so the Holy Spirit, in those moments, 
when we give ourselves to the responsibility of what it means to follow Jesus in a corrupt and fallen world, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us in our weakness. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the power to follow Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, friends, there is no way we could follow Jesus for any length of time. Let me show you. The the Scripture kind of paints the picture for us. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit prays, it goes on to say, prays and intercedes for us when we don't know what or how to pray. You ever been in a moment like that? You are so confused, so frustrated, so hurt. You come to the Lord in prayer. You just don't even know how to begin. You don't know what to ask for. You don't know what to say. Have you had the experience of a comfort and a peace that goes beyond any sort of explanation or understanding coming upon you? Helping you recognize it's okay. I'm here. You'll be all right. I hope you have. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And maybe from there, beginning to give you words so that you can actually pray to the Father. And all of a sudden you're praying and you're thinking, I didn't think this before, but now I do. I'm being led along here. That's the Holy Spirit. Now others in the family of faith would point to this verse and lift up another gift, truly the gift of speaking in tongues. I don't have this gift, so I can't talk about it much. But friends of mine do. And I trust them, even though I don't understand their experience. They will point to this verse and say, the Lord has given me a gift in prayer. Especially when I'm there in a moment of uncertainty or pain, and my tongue is loosened, and I'm praying words I don't understand that only God can hear. And it's a comfort. I don't have that gift but I'm grateful for those who do. The Holy Spirit helps us pray. The Holy Spirit helps us to interpret really hard situations in life and to remember the power and the goodness of God. Look at Romans 8, 28, probably one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Consider the implication of that verse. That in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. It's powerful. Now, also challenging. I've heard this verse used in ways that leave some people feeling wounded and not helped. So let's make sure we understand it. First, I've heard this verse misrepresented as, hey, look, God's the creator of all things, and so everything in life is, at its root, good. Is that what this verse is saying? Of course not. Of course not. We live in a fallen and corrupt world, and so there are many, many, many terrible and evil things. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But this this verse says we have a God who is so powerful, so sovereign, 
so good that he can take the most evil, the most corrupt thing in the world and somehow bring a measure of good out of it. That's a pretty audacious claim. War, disease, death of a child. Huh? Where's the proof of that? Sometimes we forget what the cross is. Do you remember that the cross is a torture instrument of great evil? The cross, at its inception, is not good. God did not cause or desire the cross. And yet, having the foreknowledge of the cross, God used this terrible instrument to bring about the greatest good for all of humanity. And if he can do that with that, then friends, he can do it with anything. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's a powerful verse, one you ought to know, and one you probably ought to keep to yourself most of the time. For how many times in the midst of deep pain have I heard Someone approach another with good motive, good desire, but hey, God's going to use this for good. Friends, let's, let's not do that. Let's memorize this verse, put it in our pocket, and then trust the Holy Spirit to use it. Not us. That we enable one another to grieve and to journey even as we point, to one, an- point one another to this truth. We have to affirm it. We have to affirm it. If we don't, what does that say about God? If we don't, is there any hope for us enduring in faith? That would be like saying to a woman in labor, yeah, let's see what comes out. We're not really sure. I don't think you're making it through. It is the promise of good that enables the endurance of faith. Finally, and we are getting close to the end here, hang on. Verses 28 through 30. It is the Holy Spirit who nurtures our faith from beginning to end. You know, because sometimes when it feels like our faith is waning, we'll think, well, maybe I I didn't even have it right to start with. Yeah, you did. And that came not by your power, but His. There's that, that word in there, predestination. People get hung up on that word. Sometimes Presbyterians are known for that word. Did you know that? Let's not worry about it too much. It simply means that God knows all things. All the time. So of course He knew who would follow Him. But in the mystery and power of God, He knows without subverting our free will. I don't know how that happens. That's okay. I'm not God. And neither are you. But the scripture tells us this morning that this journey of faith didn't begin with you. It didn't begin when you decided to become a Christian. When you decided to follow Jesus, it began with him. 
For it is the Holy Spirit who called us to be conformed to the image of Son, it, of His Son. It's the Holy Spirit who justified us, who led us into that moment of recognition that Jesus died for your sins, and He calls you to surrender his, your life to His. It's the Holy Spirit who is sanctifying us in the person of Jesus, teaching us what it means to follow Him and giving us the power to do so. And it's the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says, who will glorify us in the end, enabling us to meet Jesus above at His return or when He calls us home, whichever comes first. When I was a kid, one of my favorite uh, book series was Choose Your Own Adventure Books. Do you know this series? Choose Your Own Adventure? I need to, I need to know how, much, how many people know this in order. No, got some head. Thank you, Becky. Yes, you know. Choose Your Own Adventure. Okay, you're about 10 year old. You read these books. You'll get through about a chapter until the main character gets into this place where you could go left or you could go right. You have a choice to make in the story. And instead of the author making the choice, he lets the reader make the choice. So little Johnny comes up to the cliff. If Johnny jumps off the cliff thinking he can fly, go to page 11. If Johnny says, no, that's dumb, then go to page 40, right? And see how the story goes. I loved him. Gave you some control over the story. Well, this morning, this morning, our journey that began in early September of unfolding God's story, it's coming to an end. But make no mistake that God's story is not over. He is still writing it in our lives and in the world. And I don't, I don't know if this was a good idea on God's part, but he gave us some responsibility in that story. He gives us opportunity to choose left or right in our journey of following him. Thank goodness for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who guides and helps and empowers because, friends, if it's left to me to turn to the right page, forget about it. But by the ministry and wisdom and power of the Spirit, we can hope to walk with Jesus to that last day. So let's pray together for that, for that end. Oh, Lord, we do give thanks for the gift of your Spirit. I... Maybe some of my friends here confess to you that, that it is that third person of the Trinity, that, that you, Holy Spirit, that I, I least understand and, um, and, and don't seek to be aware of in my life as much as I should. Would you teach us more, Holy Spirit, about yourself? Would you work in our lives, marking us and reminding us that we're the children of God, nurturing with us, in us the first fruits, the, the blessings and responsibilities of the family, and then, more than anything, Lord, helping us in those moments that are hard. Thank you for your ministry. May you, 
uh, sanctify us, bring us to glory in Jesus one day, that his name would be honored in all the world. It's by that name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.